This is season two of From the Pulpit, a series of podcasts based on the Sunday morning sermons at Liberty Church. My name's Pastor Matthew, and I'm thrilled, I'm ecstatic that you're here right now listening to this installment of From the Pulpit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special installment of From the Pulpit. Typically, these episodes consist of me having a one-sided conversation with the wall, but today I get to have a conversation with one of my dear friends and colleagues, Pastor Joel. Yes. Hello. Welcome to yeah. From the Pulpit. From the Pulpit. Can we talk? Yes. We Can have, we? We have lots to talk about. We certainly do. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the spiritual gift of wisdom and knowledge, how it relates to prophecy, yeah. and how we operate in these spiritual giftings in the public gathering, in the church service, at Liberty Church specifically. So kind of the, the rules of engagement, if you will. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the reason why we've been studying the spiritual gifts for so long is because we want to practice them, yes. but we want to practice them in order. Uh, we don't want to get out of hand like the Corinthian church did. Nope, we don't. And so we spent a lot of time talking about spiritual disciplines on Sunday morning. Now we've spent quite a few weeks talking about spiritual gifts. Yeah. This week, actually, um, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, but this week uh, we're talking about the spiritual gift of tongues and interpretation and prophecy. Yeah. And there's so much to talk about. A lot of stuff gets left on the cutting room floor, and so that's why From the Pulpit exists. So we can talk about it and take our time with it and not leave any stone unturned. Yes. And so let's dive in, I guess. Yeah, let's, let's just jump right in. There's, I agree. There's so much to talk about, but we only have so much time on a Sunday. That's right. Right. 40, 40 minutes to preach. We don't have a ton of time, so... It's wise of us to kind of, you know, take this time, some maybe another 40, 50, let's see how long we can go, but just some more time to really sit in and talk about maybe some of the things that we had to leave out because of time, but were still necessary for people at Liberty to hear and understand. Excellent. So there's going to be two spiritual gifts in particular that we don't spend time with on Sunday morning, and they are the spiritual gifts of wisdom and knowledge. And we read about those spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8. Let me read it from ESV. It says, For one, or sorry, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Uh, so the gift of wisdom is the ability to have insight into people and situations. Uh, that's not obvious to the average person, and you combine that with an understanding of what to do and how to do it. The gift of wisdom is the ability to not only see, but also to apply principles of God's word to the matter. And so this can be known as the spirit of wisdom, or the, the gift of wisdom, the word, or words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that makes sense. So there is a spiritual gift of wisdom and then words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would ask, what is the difference? So there's a spiritual gift of wisdom that someone uh, just knows how to handle situations in a biblically wise way. And the difference between knowledge and wisdom is applying God's word uniquely to a particular situation. Now, the difference between the gift of wisdom and then the gift of the of words of wisdom right. is one is supernaturally specifically inspired for one particular issue. So one might be, hey, I'm having difficulties in my marriage. And um, someone that is just has the gift of wisdom would say, OK, well, we know scripture says X, Y and Z. These are particular ways that we can apply it. Now, someone that has the gift of words of wisdom that is aligned more on a prophetic side, someone could say, hey, um, I'm having issues with my marriage. 
that would say, you know what? Based on what I'm sensing, I think you need to do one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. They're very specific. Yeah. That those are three things you need to do. Like you need to go home tonight and do this. You need to do this tomorrow. And then next week you need to do this. Yeah. That's really good. And I love the distinction you made between the gift of wisdom, overall wisdom, mm-hmm. which James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God and he'll give liberally. Yes. Without finding fault. So we all have access to wisdom yeah. all the time mm-hmm. and the gift of wisdom. But this gift of words of wisdom is more specific to a person or a situation. Yes. Where you can use general wisdom yeah. and, and biblical wisdom and apply it directly to a situation. And I think that word of wisdom is closely related to a word of knowledge where yeah. sometimes you're actually given insight before the person even comes to you asking for advice. You yeah. know what's going on, for exactly. example, in their marriage or in their life or at their job or with their kids. Mm-hmm. You almost get a sense or you you do get a sense of what's specifically going on mm-hmm. in their lives. And then if those people come to you or you feel prompted to go to them, yeah then you can speak a word of wisdom as well. I I think the biggest difference between normal wisdom and words of wisdom is specificity. Mm -hmm. So there is like a, what would be wise for anyone in this particular situation? And then what is specific wisdom for you that's been inspired by the Holy Spirit specifically for you? It's not new revelation, but it's you specifically need to do these three things specifically. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say that leans more on the prophetic side. Yeah. So not everyone that does it, it would be like maybe good practices, but everyone that does it won't necessarily see the same effect because that was specific for that person. For example, there's a lot of people that are pastors, Mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of pastors out there. They're pastoring churches in different contexts. There is wisdom that every single pastor on the planet mm-hmm. could we could, we could all do the same thing and it would help us, but because we're in a particular context, there's some things that might work at uh, a church in ter- downtown Toronto that might be good for us, but it actually won't we won't see the same kind of fruit. Mm-hmm. So it's some, there's there's specific wisdom that is for you for that particular season for your particular situation i think that leans more prophetic Mm. comparatively to um just a general word of knowledge that realistically anyone can apply and see like this was the right thing for us to do Mm -hmm. so that's what how i would differentiate the general gift of wisdom that we've covered in sermons but then the words of wisdom that is very specific. Again, it goes back to that prophetic because it's not general. Pro- prophecy is not general. It's usually specific. Mm. It's intentional. Um, and that's what I would say words of wisdom lean that way. Yeah, that's a great, uh, that's a great distinction to make. And, and I'll just reiterate it one more time. General wisdom. Mm-hmm. We ask God for it. Yeah. He gives it to us. Exactly. Words of wisdom speak into a specific situation. And I love that word, specificity. Yeah. When God speaks, it's specific. Yes. And um, yeah, I think that's really good. So people don't necessarily have to, you know, feel like, well, if I don't have a specific word for this situation or for this person that I can't speak to it mm-hmm. because there is general wisdom. Just yes. read the book. Yeah, exactly. God has given us yep. a treasury of wisdom Yes, in his word. But sometimes we don't need words that are new or contrary to this book, but we just need a little more insight into a specific situation as to how to apply the, the wisdom of the word to people. So yeah, that's a, that's, awesome. I, I think another thing we can say that helps is just like reading the Bible and maybe, you know, using scripture to interpret scripture in your own Bible study. But then when you come to service and you actually hear a teacher exposit the word, it's more specific, mm-hmm. right? Um, or sometimes you can listen to um, a commentary or someone kind of, oh, you know, they wrote a book on Romans or something and you can read it. It'd be great. But 
coming to church at that's your home church that the pastor knows what's going on exactly he can open up that scripture that is much more specific for that particular gathering than someone that's just writing in the context of like any christian can kind of pick this up and get something good out of it Mm. so both are good both are needed overall wisdom as you said god gives you access to it but the gift of the words of wisdom it's more about that specific season specific word that you need to do a particular thing Mm -hmm. um now not to say that um i don't want us to think of because people can start thinking of like well then i need like a prophet to tell me what to do specifically in this particular issue Mm, that's a good point like you elaborate yeah so you 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 have a an issue let's say something's you have two choices to make and both of them are very difficult Mm -hmm. and you're like some people would say you know what let me just read scripture and i believe god's given me wisdom and i can go with what i believe is the best you know or you can talk to other fellow friends um and say you know what hey this is what's going on godly good godly advice and it can help you make the appropriate decision but I don't want, I think that is what our muscle should be. We should do those things. But I don't want people to get into the, well, I'm in a tough situation. I have to go ask someone with a prophetic gift. Well, yeah. I need to see, okay, well, what does the prophet say I should do? Because we kind of think, well, because maybe they are a prophet or you heard them prophesy a couple of times, they're going to give me the sure answer. And whatever they give me, I'm just going to do. No, that's not the way it works. No. You're bringing up a really fascinating point. Yeah. Something that happens way too much. Way too much. Especially in charismatic circles. Yes. And I think you make a great point. We need to have the muscle memory. We need to train ourselves to go to the book, figure out what the book says, weigh our options against it, and make a decision. Exactly. And then go with that decision. And if we've made the wrong decision, I do believe God will give us red lights he'll tell us when to stop yeah his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path yes so one thing that i've heard is when it says it's a lamp unto our feet it's talking about the bit of light that shed forward for us to take another step that's good yeah and the light unto our path is actually fully illuminated behind us where when we look back we can see god's faithfulness and leading and guiding our lives it's mm. very obvious it's plain as day exactly when we look back that god's been leading us by his word yeah and so the problem is a lot of times we are short-sighted looking back mm-hmm. thinking well has god led me here we we second guess we question yeah and we're looking for like it to be plain as day ahead of us so so here's here's the thing this is and also you have to trust god's sovereignty mm-hmm that he loves you enough that if he really wants to interrupt you, he can. So here's here's something that happened to me at a church. So uh, there was two, uh, at another church, I was one of our elders um, in our young adults gathering. Uh, two young of our young people were dating and things were going good. And they were like, hey, you know what? You know, we're thinking maybe about marriage and da 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 you know, we want to kind of go into an official courting stage and whatnot. But something to me was like, I don't, this doesn't sound right. So they asked my advice. So I said, you know what? Wait 90 days. I I don't, it just came out of me. It was like, this is what you're supposed to do. Wait 90 days. After 90 days, then you can make that choice to say, hey, we're going to talk to each other's parents and like put a a way forward to to marriage. Sure enough, on day 87, I think they said, massive fight. The the guy was going crazy, like almost like verbally abused, like just something that was just like, whoa, massive red flag. Because of that, they ended up breaking up. Now, that was, I believe, an interruptive or uh, an interruptive moment for them that God was like, you know what? I don't have words of knowledge. I did not know that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
but I know that God gave me a very specific thing for them to do in their particular situation that eventually illuminated the truth that they should get married or not. I didn't know anything about what eventually would happen. I just knew this was the specific thing they need to do. Now, would I, if someone, if another young couple came up to me, am I going to give the same exact advice? No, maybe I could, and maybe it might help, but that was a very specific words of wisdom that they took and used to show if being married was the best situation. Now, we shouldn't be looking for those moments because I think God will just interrupt you and just do it. I, I, I've had them. I'm sure you've had them. That's just like somebody come and give something so specific, do this. And then afterwards we're like, okay, that was very specific. And that was what I really needed to do to move forward in that whatever choice or, or to take the next step of what we need to do. So I think that's how we should see it. God gives wisdom. Don't be looking for, like, people call it, like, prophecy chasing. Like, who's the next new prophet that's, like, charismatic? Let's go here. Is he going to say something about me? No, you don't need that. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, he'll lead you into all truth. If you have a copy of the scriptures, virtually any translation, virtually. There's a few that are problematic, but that's that's aside the point. But if you have that, you read it along with the spirit of truth, if you're submitted to spiritual leadership at church, that you know you can go get godly counsel from the pastors or, by God's grace, other people here at Liberty, you know, you, you can go to someone and say, hey, this is a particular thing I'm thinking of. They will give you good godly advice. That is enough to make a decision. Of course it is. It is enough. And if it's not, trust and believe God will interrupt and say, hey, this is what you need to do specifically. Now, I think when we talk more about words of knowledge, could be um, you need to do this because of X, Y, and Z. Like maybe the reasoning would be given, but just the next step, the next step, next step, I think we need to trust that God can interrupt to give what we need if we've missed something. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. It was advice my dad used to always give, which was you always have a green light with God, until he gives you a red one. So if you get asked to do something that would give God glory, or if you're doing something in obedience to his word, you don't have to pray about it. You don't have to wonder. Just keep going. Yes. And if you're doing it wrong or too long, or you need to do something different, a red light will be very obvious. The yes. problem is most of us aren't paying attention. We blow right through those red lights. Then we get ourselves in trouble. Yes. But God is still, of course, gracious to to bring us back around and to make a new way for us. Mm -hmm. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. Yes. But I think we make some great points here. These words of wisdom should be uh, heeded when they are given. Yes. But we don't need to chase after them. No. We have everything we need to make good decisions. When we have the word, when we have godly counsel, when we're submitted to pastoral leadership in our local church. So excellent points. And uh, I think we've, we've, we've really covered words of wisdom, at least sufficiently. Yes, I agree. Which then brings us to words of knowledge, which I think we can contrast with just general knowledge. Yes. So the gift of knowledge and then the gift of words of knowledge. Yeah. So the, the gift of knowledge is basically the ability to research, remember, and make effective use of all kinds of information yes uh so you know basically god gives this to what i would consider you know theologians and bible experts and yeah. things like that the ability to to uh, to research and remember and just carry around this knowledge so yes. that it can be shared and help other people but then there are words of knowledge, which I believe, again, again goes back to this specificity that God will give us specific knowledge into people or into situations that will help us, again, make good, 
wise decisions. I like yeah. what you said earlier about uh, sometimes a word of knowledge is the reasons why we need to obey a word of wisdom. Yes. Or just apply general wisdom to a situation. So God gives us specific reasons why. Yes. And those serve as a sign for the for the recipient to to submit to it. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of times people hear something and, and their first question is, well, why should I do that? Yeah. And so sometimes, not every time, God will give you the reason. And also we have to remember what the purpose of spiritual gifts are. Mm-hmm. So it's for edification, encouragement, and consolation. Mm-hmm. Those three things. Now, when a word of knowledge is given, it's to do one of those three things, usually. Sometimes all of them, but that's the reason. I think one of the most famous um, ones that we could talk about is the prophet Nathan that exposed King David. So he told his story about, you know, the the lamb and this man didn't have to, you know. So, of course, David gets irate. What? This guy should be killed. And he's like, you're the guy. Yeah. Yeah. You're the person that killed this woman's husband and then took this woman because you saw her bathing. Like, that was an, a perfect example of words of knowledge. Because yeah. David didn't think that anyone knew what the whole plan was. As far as I'm concerned, outside looking in, we just know, oh, we heard um, Bathsheba's husband died and then she's now a widow and then David marries her. That's all the outsider knows. That's right. But Nathan comes in and says, no, I know the secret plan that you did. Now, if you look at that, he exposed David, but it was to bring David to repentance. That's what the whole purpose was. It wasn't just to expose him, just to expose. A little side note here. I think sometimes with um, prophecy, um, we've seen like with some guys like Peter Popoff and some things like they kind of manipulate words of knowledge to kind of get people to give to their ministry or to kind of see them in a certain light that you say, oh, this, how does this guy know all this information? And here's the thing. What is the purpose that this person is being exposed? If you ever watch TV or YouTube or whatever, and you hear a prophet expose, but it's not to edify this person, it's not to encourage them or bring consolation. That person is just weaponizing their gift. Mm. That's all that they're doing. Wow. And I, and I think they're just as bad as a false prophet because they're using their gift outside of its appropriate bounds. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've all been, if, if you're charismatic at all, we've all been to a camp meeting or a youth rally or something where, you know, the prophetic gift starts moving or maybe the the guest speaker starts like pointing out stuff in people's lives and you're like frightened to death that, you know, you're next. You're next. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that I've noticed when that type of thing happens and it's God or directed by God, the people that get exposed are actually grateful because they've probably wanted to tell somebody all along but haven't had the nerve and I was thinking of 1 Corinthians 14 when Paul talks about, hey, if you're all in church speaking in tongues and outsiders come in, they're going to think you're crazy. And so he says, I want you all to prophesy. And so we're connecting words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and prophecy together. Yeah. Because I think they go hand in hand. Yeah, they're, very they much, yeah. they're very much related. So he says, I want you all to prophesy so that if an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he would be convicted. Yes. Called to account or the secrets of his heart disclosed. Yes. And so I think there we see, you know, the the prophetic gift in operation, like the, and we'll get there, mm-hmm. like the foretelling of the word of God, the telling forth of the word of God, mm-hmm. uh, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, so that people would be convicted and held to account and that their secrets would be disclosed, not for embarrassment, but for edification. And ultimately, these things result in believer, unbelievers and outsiders falling on their knees and saying, surely God is here. Yes. That's the whole point. 
Yeah. Because if, if, think about it. If, if an unbeliever comes into a church service and maybe in their, the background of their life, you know, they're, they're struggling with a lot of things in their home. Their mom is sick or whatever, and they just want to try out church and just see what happens. And if someone gets a prompting, a word of wisdom, like, hey, your mother is sick. God knows. Like, it doesn't even have to come to, from the pastor. Imagine someone in the church just walk up to them and say, hey, I want to give you a hug. This might seem strange to you, but I have a prompting. Maybe it might be something, but I know your mom's at home not feeling good, and you're going through a lot. I just want to let you know that God loves you, and you're here for a reason. Like, I've seen things adjacent to that. Mm-hmm. As it, oh, immediately, that person is just like, whoa. Yeah. Like, it. it's not about embarrassing the person and usually it it softens the heart of the person that's hearing it as you said if god's saying it but it softens the the heart of the person hearing it and of course that person's going to say well only god can reveal that because i've never been here before i've never seen you before and all of a sudden you tell me that all this information like my mom's sick how do you know my mom's sick Mm -hmm. and and you told them what they need to hear because of that. So like, yeah, your mom's sick and you're wondering a lot about life. Like God is here with you. He loves you and you're here for a reason. Like, yeah, it's going to bring people to their knees. Mm. It's going to put the glory of God um, in on center stage. It's going to, because those, that's what those kind of gifts are meant to do. Now, whether it's rebuking or whether it's for, uh, consoling or whatnot, it puts God's glory on center stage. And if you need to repent, if you just need to uh, almost just enjoy and be thankful that God is on the throne, like things like that, that's how it's supposed to supposed to be. You know, I, I think we just got to use use those gifts how they're supposed to be used. That's why we're not going to see people weaponizing gifts and people getting, you know, spiritual abuse and all that kind of stuff happening. The, none of those things will happen if those gifts are just used appropriately. You're absolutely right. Well, it's amazing, too. Jesus Jesus used all these spiritual gifts. Yep. Uh, I'm thinking specifically now of the woman at the well. I mean, he spoke a word of knowledge into her life Big time. about her marital status. And maybe she was taken aback by it, but ultimately we see that she ran into town and said, you have to meet this guy. Yeah. He told me everything about me. Yeah. And he, and he doesn't know me. Uh, and then contrast that then with, you know, the Pharisees who certainly weren't using the gift, but they wanted to expose for embarrassment, you know, the woman caught in adultery. Obviously they were, they were like observing her for a long time to figure out her patterns and where she goes and when she goes to catch her in the very act. Mm -hmm. And then they bring her to Jesus and say, yeah, okay, here we go. Let's expose this woman, embarrass her, and let's see how Jesus reacts. And of course, his reaction is to expose the religious leaders essentially privately. We don't know exactly what he's marking in the ground, some think maybe he starts writing some of their own sins in the ground or, or, or whatever. Yeah. But obviously they start dropping their stones real quick when the intentions of their heart are laid bare. And then Jesus, of course, then offers grace and mercy to the, to the woman. So I just think it's fascinating. We can see all these gifts uh, demonstrated in the life of Jesus. The one we don't know is, did he speak in tongues? Maybe, maybe not. There's no way to know, but all the other gifts, absolutely. He yeah. used absolutely all of them. We can see them demonstrated in his life, and he demonstrates them perfectly. Yes. And so I think this kind of brings us to then um, prophecy, and we're going to talk quite a bit about prophecy on a Sunday morning or in a Sunday morning sermon. And so if you want to listen to that sermon, you can find it here on this channel. But I want to talk about how these things relate to prophecy and then how we practice words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and prophecy in the public gathering or how we 
um, how we use them just in general. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, a word of knowledge or wisdom is specific to a person. And so they don't, you know, those words don't need to be spoken over a microphone for everyone to hear. So oftentimes, you know, people need to go directly to someone. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about when a word of wisdom or knowledge needs to be given over a microphone. And then when a word of prophecy, either telling forth or foretelling the word of God, needs to be spoken. And when we can just wait and not say anything. Uh, To be honest, I, I think one thing you said there is key, and I think we should probably nail this. When it comes to prophecy, especially specific prophetic words, uh, I agree they shouldn't be given over a microphone. I think the only time, this is just my personal opinion, the only time, especially if it's negative, exposure of someone's sin needs to go public is if we have to publicly rebuke them. Right. Right? So it's usually, you know, you go to your brother, Nothing. You go two, two. No, bring it from the leadership. No. Okay. Well, now we have to, we have to bring them in front of the church and openly rebuke them. Paul says, "Well, we don't like to. This is the thing. We don't like to talk about these kind of things. But the right. reality is, Paul says it's to actually put fear in the other people, so they know, like, hey, we're. You need to not sin. Like, you need to not lean into a sinful lifestyle. So, if someone's doing something they're not supposed to be doing." I don't think it needs to be exposed. I I personally believe it can be just as if if more if not more effective to just go to that person one on one and just say, "Hey, um this might seem like a lot, but this is what I believe God might have shown me. You're doing X, Y, and Z. God wants you to stop and he wants you to repent." Yeah. Leave it with them. That's the other thing, too, about these words. We, we are to give them, and then we are to trust God with the result. We can expect obedience because that's what all the prophets did. When they gave God's word, they expected that the people would obey, but they could not hold the people accountable. They could not force the people to do it. They mm-hmm. had to make their choice. Yep. And I've even done that when I've counseled people and given what I believe to be words of wisdom into a specific situation, mm-hmm. I always tell them at the end, I will not be checking up on you to see if you've uh, followed through on this. Yes. I've given it to you. You now do what you want with it. It doesn't change my care for you, my concern for you. It doesn't change uh, you know, your, your relationship status with me or with the church. You take this now and you go do with it what you need to. But also then just know if you're going to continue to reject this advice or God's wisdom into the situation, like I don't think it'll like, it's just not there for us whenever we want it. And then we, if we don't do nothing with it, we'll, we'll just, well, at the end of the day, we're accountable to God and God in his love. Think about this. If God wasn't loving, he would just leave you in your sin. Right. He'll just leave you in your sin. So you can tie yourself up in sin and get to eternity and shock that he's like, I don't know you. Like in God's love, he calls us to repentance. That's why God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the essence of the gospel. God loves us. So he calls us to repentance. That's what he does. So when a prophet goes like example if you are in sin doing something you're not supposed to and your fellow brother and sister in christ which is virtually a another like you can call them a prophet comes and says you're doing x y and z you don't need to know how i know but you are doing x y and z and you need to stop yeah you now have a choice because you're not accountable to that prophet you're accountable to god because god sent that prophet to tell you so you it's a whole thing is like you don't shoot the mailman. Mm-hmm. Shoot the sender. Yeah. And you make a great comparison there and it's one that I make on Sunday morning in in the message about prophecy in tongues. 
like a mail carrier who does not write or edit the mail, but simply collects it and delivers it. That's what a prophet does. Exactly. And I think those who operate in the gift of words of wisdom and words of knowledge, it, it applies to them too. Yes. That they are not the source of it. They are simply the messenger. Mm-hmm. And then we need to be careful as messengers if, if the spirit... Um, if the spirit enables us as he wills in this gift yeah. to, to take our ego out of it yes, and say, okay, I've delivered it. Now you do what you do with it. Here's a good, here's a, a practical strategy to do with these kind of prophetic gifts is you leave it with leadership. That's good too. I think that is a very practical way to do it. If you say, Hey, you know what? So let's just say, God forbid, you have some level of revelation that, you know what, I think I think so-and-so's child is cutting themselves. God forbid. Mm-hmm. Instead of going directly up to the family, this is, this is what we would call general wisdom. You can come to myself or yourself, Pastor Matt, and say, hey, you know what, pastors, or you don't not to say both of us together, but come to one of us and say, hey, listen, this is something I felt like the Lord revealed to me. Um thought about it, prayed about it. I believe it's happening. I'm not sure how to go about it. You guys, as leaders of this church, what would you suggest be the best route to to go about it? That's probably the wisest thing you can do. I would say. Because worst thing, let's just say something like that, specifically that particular thing. We can say, you know what? Coming from you, it might be a, a bit much because we might know more about that particular family situation than they. So you know what? You know what? It might be better if we carried that word. But thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And when you give that to leadership, you don't need to come and check on, hey, Pastor Matt, what's going on with that? Like, you don't. You were just the messenger. You dropped it off. Hey, leadership. Seems like it's a tough word. It's a lot. You can leave that there with us and you can go about your merry day. Now, let's just say myself and Pastor Matt didn't take you seriously. You know, we don't have to answer to you. We answer to God. If that's truly God's word, God will deal with us Mm. with what we did with that word. Yeah, I agree. Perfect example, Jonah. Yeah. Jonah had a word for Nineveh. He tried to run away. And guess what? He dealt with the carrier of the message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so that's that's one thing thing I think sometimes we just got to do is like with spiritual gifts, especially us as charismatics, we we somehow take ownership of these gifts. We need to say that you know, it's God that gave the gift and it's the Holy Spirit is the gift and he gives you the ability to even work in this kind of way. So none of it has to do with you. It's the Holy Spirit working inside of you. So you actually don't have to hold any kind of ego to this. Yeah. Hey, I believe this is a word. I believe it's true. You sort it out. Done. Or just, I think is the best way, give it to leadership, especially ones that are dicier, let's call it, dicier one, give it to leadership. Yeah, like a a difficult word, uh, one that could be touchy, sensitive. Yes. Um, Yeah, like uh, even intimate details about certain things Mm -hmm. that that the Lord has given. and you, you don't necessarily know what to do with it or, or how to go about it, submit it to leadership. Yes. Yeah. And this is why we're here. This is why God has gifted us with leadership is because, and we do have the, the higher responsibility, but he's given the church leaders because when things are difficult, uh, the buck can stop with somebody. Mm-hmm. And, but that person is gifted to be able to deal with that yeah. kind of situation. So, with these things, you don't take any ego, don't take it on, but leave it to leadership. I think that's a very practical way in dealing with touchy things. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. that's really good. Uh, talk about what you have experienced or what you think concerning words of wisdom and knowledge about births, deaths, and marriages. Because God does give them. Yes. And in fact, there's one... I mean, I don't think we've even talked about this. There's one concerning a marriage that, I've, that I have beating around in the back of my head that I feel like I received a while back. And I'm not even going to go to the people about it. I'm just leaving it there. 
or I'm going to wait until, if and until, I feel directed to, to share it. Yes. But I feel like I was given the knowledge yes. that it would happen. Yeah. But then I'm just, I'm just leaving it. Yeah. I, and I get, it, that kind of points back to the burden of leadership. Like, it's probably better in your hands that right. you have it kick around in your mind and you would know the best thing to do with that versus it's in someone else that maybe doesn't have the gift of leadership. They probably have a little bit of ego and they're like, let me just run ahead and do this. So births, deaths, and marriages, some people can disagree with me. That's your business. But I firmly believe when it comes to those three things, you submit it to leadership and you don't do it personally. I agree. Those are two, three things rather that I don't think you need to touch. No, I, I don't. I, I would even go as far to say you don't have the authority to be able to prophesy those words. So why do you think God would give those words to someone? I think God gives them the words to someone because they're part of the body. Right. So they are meant to share them. But how they share them, Yes, it's the matter of using the other parts of the body. Here's a perfect example. Good point. Just ha- hang there for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember your point. Yeah, yeah, So sometimes we get a word. Yes. But there's another part of the body and another gifting to either deliver the word, speak the word, uh, give the knowledge, give the wisdom, or know what to do with it and when to do it. Exactly. We don't always get all of that. You know, like one person doesn't get the word and the when and the how and the where. And, the, and so it's good to submit it not just to leadership, ultimately to leadership, but mm-hmm. to the rest of the body too for the other gifts to be in operation. Well, that's how it's supposed to be, right? Uh, the, some people might call it body ministry. Mm-hmm. So it's just every body part working together working together for the edification of the body so here's a perfect example if your toe got a cut so if your toe got a cut how would you bandage that toe first you would have to walk over using the other foot to go get your first aid kit Mm-hmm. The first aid kit would be needed to be opened by your hands, and then your hands would have to bandage that toe. That is what body ministry looks like. So your toe would be sending the signal to the brain that something is wrong, but the how to fix that particular wrong, other parts of the body is used. So that's what I think spiritual gifts looks like, especially with uh, dangerous situations or situations that are more serious. Right. Use other parts of the body to be able to solve these kind of things. Uh, births, marriages, and de- now here's an example with marriages. Some people might say, you know what, I've heard it so many times. So-and-so is going to be my wife. So-and-so is going to be my husband. Wisdom would tell you, you should not go up to that person and say, God told me you're going to be my wife. To me, that's absolutely asinine. To me. Some people would say, well, I've done that before, and I was right. Well, amen. I'm th- thank God that you were right. But how many people have said that and they were right? Every single person that says that, no. they're right. Exactly. So they, wisdom would say you would go to your pastor and say, hey, pastor, I've been thinking and praying about my spouse, and I think uh, this particular woman or this particular man is supposed to be the person I'm supposed to marry. That's what I feel in my heart. Great. Thank you for letting us know. What you're going to do is continue to be faithful in your Christian walk, in your church, and we'll just observe and see if this is true, if this is the truth. Because here's the thing. If you're saying this person's supposed to be your husband or this person's supposed to be your wife, we would see them exhibit characteristics that make them ready and worthy to be able to be a husband or wife. Absolutely. So... The reality is, if you're going to submit these kind of things, submit it to leadership. Um, to say, hey, you know, I, I, I had a dream that you're going to have a baby um, and you're going to have this baby soon. Uh, you do not need to be telling that to a couple that's struggling with infertility. You don't need to be saying that. No. You know what you should do? You should go talk to leadership and maybe they know. And you can say, hey, you know what? I know they're struggling with that. Um, so... 
maybe instead of saying uh, God's going to give you a baby soon, just say, hey, I, 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 I felt like uh, children and childbirth and those things you guys are working through that came to my heart. I'm going to keep you guys in prayer. Yeah. The way you said that, that could easily be an encouragement versus, you know, saying something that could potentially bring harm. But the gift of wisdom showed up in that instance to say, hey, I think this is the better way to word that. Yeah. Um, I've heard of people prophesying deaths. Um, again, I think that is monumental. So I think you should probably submit that to leadership. Hey, this is going to sound strange. And when you do leave it with leadership uh, and trust that the leaders over you will be able to know what to do with that situation yeah. and you don't need to check in or anything. Yeah. If anything, th- the best thing you can do is submit it to leadership and pray. That's it. I think that's the best thing you can do. Yeah, and I think a, a great criteria, if, if you feel like you've been given a word of wisdom, or actually, if you've been given a word of knowledge, yeah. okay, uh, I think a great criteria is to ask yourself, is this, some, is this a future event that I've seen? Or is it something that has happened in the past? Or is it something that's happening now? Like, ask yourself that. If it's something that is is happening in the future, I really think you need to just leave that with leadership. If you really feel like you got to get it off your chest, give it to leadership and then just pray into it yourself. Yeah. Yep. Things that are happening at, you know, at present or in the past are, are a little safer in the sense that They've either happened or they haven't. Exactly. And the person knows right away yeah. that you're right or wrong. But, you know, if you speak into somebody's life, something, well, this is going to happen soon. Well, like, what does soon mean? Mm-hmm. And they're waiting and their hopes are up and then their hopes are dashed. Yes. Or they make life-changing decisions based on what you said. Yes. And what you said, um, you know, was either wrong, like you either misheard or you were hasty and you gave the word when you should have just prayed into it. Yeah. And so then... We run the risk of shipwrecking people's faith. Yes, uh, when we don't use general wisdom, general knowledge. Yes, uh, in in the practice or in the application of these gifts, because mm-hmm. all these gifts they're still subject to um, they're subject to the person that's been giving given them. Yeah. That person is able to control them. Yes. And sometimes uh, that person is given a word and I think is tested so that they can be trained. Yes. That's good. To receive more or or bigger yes. words. I firmly believe that too. Wi- words of wisdom, knowledge, or prophecy. Yeah. But if, if you get a word and you just run a, right away to the person or, you know, you start blabbing it everywhere, like, it's immaturity and... God knows, well, and he know he knew this before, I guess. But, yeah, you know he can't he can't trust you with that. Here's the reality, and when it comes to spiritual gifts, like when it comes to anything, I I don't believe we have an unlimited measure of gifts like Christ. So you have a prophetic gift. Yes, there is a measure to that prophetic gift. Mm-hmm. Can you become better uh, in uh, the gifting that you have, yes, but I believe you have a specific measure because there's a there's something God wants you to accomplish. There's a specific measure that you've been given, and you won't go past that measure. Some mm-hmm. people think, well, I can be no. I I personally just don't think everyone has everything can be have everything in a limited measure like Christ. Um, it goes back to being part of the body. Yeah, uh, you're a hand. You're never going to do more than a hand can do that's right a hand is never going to see a hand can be a very proficient hand but you're never going to be so proficient that you do what an eye does as a hand yeah well it's amazing like the hand can be used to feel around in a dark place but it can't see exactly and so there's a there's some overlap in function but it's certainly not the same whatsoever yes so i I think you make a great point about being given we haven't we have an unlimited 
person living inside of us, yes. the Spirit of Christ. Yeah. He has no limit. Yes. But we certainly have limitations. Yes. Now, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as I've said in this sermon series, allow us to exceed the limitations of our humanness. Yes. But even then, there is a limit. And I mean, we see that when, when Paul talks about practicing tongues in the public gathering. He said, mm-hmm. let there be two, at most three. So he puts a limit on it. There's exactly. a cap. Yes. So even with the spiritual gifts, there's limitations, there's boundaries, there's borders, there's parameters, and we just need to work within them. Yes, and that's the safest place to be, the best place to be. When we start going and above the call of your specific duty, that's when we start shipwrecking people's faith. We start, you know, prophesying strange things, um, and then you can put yourself potentially being labeled as a false prophet. So, yeah, which is you not, don't want to get there. It's not a label you want. No. Let's talk about prophecy then and, and particularly false prophecy or the dangers that are associated with this gift. Because, mm-hmm. again, all of these gifts have warning labels attached to them because we're involved. Exactly. Because humans are involved with imperfect flesh and imperfect thinking. We are involved with these gifts of the spirit, which is perfect. And so we do have a tendency to mess it up and miss the warning signs. Yes. The spirit wants us to participate in what he's doing in the world. But we can get out ahead of him. We can get out of step with him. Uh, and, and no more or nowhere is that more evident than with those who have a prophetic ministry or or who operate in in um, the gift of prophecy. Yeah, it's something that we really need to be careful of. And think about, in Scripture, what gifts are talked about the most in terms of direction? Prophecy, tongues, and teaching. Yeah. Because those things, if they are not on a leash, those, can, those things can destroy a church false prophecy bad teaching bad doctrine that can just oh man it can absolute chaos yeah but here's a funny thing there's no limits on hospitality no there's no limits on generosity there's no limits on being on wisdom right all gifts have their dark side as you said because of us but scripture doesn't say you know what you need to be careful how generous you are yeah, it never says that. No, they just be generous. And the only time there's a limit, I'm just reminding now, on hospitality is that you are not to be hospitable to false prophets. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it, it's just, it's something that I think we have to take seriously, especially as charismatics. If we're going to prove some of the cessationists wrong, that because a lot of cessationists that I've seen, their biggest argument is it's never done right. Yeah, all you do is abuse it. You all you do is abuse it, and you never do it according to scripture. So, all as far as we can tell, it seems like it's just like, so. In church history, there have been charismatic groups that have done the same kind of thing. But what happens is they go into error. Yeah, and they start. You know, like um, I think specifically was the Montanists. Yes, they they were charismatic, right? They were in the second century. They were they were having prophetic utterances, you know, shaking and screaming and all the all the stuff that we, as charismatics and some Pentecostals would see and be like, yeah, we know what that looks like. Right. But they fell into falsehood by starting to say there's new revelation. Yes. We can we can actually prophesy things that are not in Scripture, but they can should be considered to be as authoritative of Scripture. Yeah. And guess what? They fell into heresy, and the church excommunicated them and consider them heretics. And I think that there, there is a group in the world today that has drifted off into error yes. and, and should be marked and avoided and, and, and said, like, unless you repent, like, there's no, there's no room for you in, in the church because you're prophesying falsely. Falsely. You're, you're yep. shipwrecking people's faith. Yep. Um, 
let's talk about prophecy and its simple definition, which is foretelling or telling forth yeah. messages from God. Yeah. Um, when you foretell, if God gives you a prophetic word or vision that foretells something and you deliver that message, mm-hmm. then it has to come true as told. Yes. In the time that's specified. Yep. Or else you are a false prophet. One, two, three. Two plus two equals four. It's simple. It's just, it's a binary. You give a prophecy and a date. If it doesn't come true as prophesied, you're a false prophet. Yes. The second you say, thus saith the Lord, or... God told me X, Y, and Z. God told me that Canada is no longer going to be a country by 2030. God told you this. Yes. If, mark your calendar. Mark your calendar. Because if it's January 1st, let me, let me, even, let me, let me even be more charitable. If it's December 31st, 2030, yeah. and there's no signs... And we're looking, and that clock strikes boom, 12, and it's January 1st, 2031. That person is a false prophet. Yeah. They should be marked and avoided. 100%. And, and called to repentance. Yes. I mean, no more, or nowhere was this more obvious than with the 2020 election. Yes. I mean, Absolutely. all over YouTube, the prophets were saying, Trump's going to win. Trump's going to win. Yeah. He didn't win. Okay. And it doesn't matter if you think it was stolen or whatever. If you said, yes, God says he will win. Yes. And he does not win. You are a false prophet. Period. And, and I go so far as to say, if you're a false, like if you give a false prophecy, then you are a false prophet. Period. You know, a lot of times we excuse and we say, well, that was just a false prophecy, but they have a record of other, you know, true prophecies. I go, I don't care. Once you give one false false prophecy, prophecy, you are a false prophet. Here's a perfect example. If I'm teaching orthodox doctrine, right? Who God is, Trinity, Christology, pneumatology, all of that is correct. But then I say, you have to follow the law of Moses to get in. It's wrong. If I have a liter of water and I put one drop of rat poison in it, in it all of it is poisonous. Yes. That's just the way it works. It doesn't matter what a person's track record is. When it comes to these kind of things, you have to stay the course. Yeah. The second you start teaching wrong doctrine, if at a one time you were teaching uh, right doctrine, yeah, you were good at that time. When you start teaching false doctrine, then yeah. That's why when Paul says, who has bewitched you? Because on some sort of level, you started out well, yeah. but then you start wandering into falsehood. You are off the track. So when it comes to false prophecy, and this is the thing, it goes back to Humility. This is why I say, and who knows, maybe some people might think it might be a a fear thing, but this is what I would say. I'd rather be seen as fearful, but in my heart, I'm being humble and I want to protect myself and protect God's image Mm. in in the public gathering versus try to be seen as something um, that I don't, almost to put God to the test that I don't think he needs to be. Yeah. So if I say, like my my example, Canada is no longer going to be a country by 2030, you know what I could easily do to protect myself? Go to leadership. Hey, pastor, this might sound super strange, but this is a prof- prophecy I felt led to share. Um, it's a lot. It's a massive prophecy. It has a date. Um, I'm willing to be wrong. And maybe I might be, but I'm willing to submit it to you because I want to protect God's word and not protect God's name instead of taking the mic and saying that out loud or start telling people in the congregation. 
because I don't think that's the wise thing to do. You hand it over to leadership. So let's just say that time comes and it didn't happen. Yeah, you might say, we can say, hey, that didn't happen. I don't think you heard from God. But guess what? Because us as leaders, we're shepherding you. That's an opportunity in a moment for you to be shepherded. Yeah. Rather than you expose it to the whole congregation. And then now we have to hold you to account because you expose it to the whole congregation. So January 1st, Pastor Matt's going to have to walk up those glorious steps of liberty, Mm -hmm. take the mic, lick his lips and say, so-and-so is a false prophet because they prophesied falsely. And they and they willing they were willing to stand on and say this is God's word that this is going to happen. Yeah. So now, now th- does this mean you're no longer going to heaven? No. Does this mean that God hates you? No. Does this mean that um, that we're gonna we're gonna treat you differently and excommunicate you? No. But we mark you now. Yeah. That you probably should not be giving any more prophecies. Because we just you you were so willing to say this is God's word in front of the whole congregation. Yeah. And it didn't happen. And if it's God's word, it cannot be thwarted. Cannot. So like you can't say, oh well, you know, so and so would win an election, but you know, another party interfered and harvested ballots and no, 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 no. No. Either he would win. Or lose. Period. If you say God said he will win and doesn't, false prophecy, false prophet, end of story, you're to be marked. And ultimately, if you don't cease making prophecies, then you're to be avoided and then ultimately, like, asked, excommunicated from the assembly. Yes. And I want to be very clear here, especially around excommunication. This is after you've been said, hey, you're a false prophet. You've been marked. Yes. You need to repent and you need to sort out your salvation. But if you continue to prophesy, prophesy and it's false, you don't heed leadership, then excommunication becomes a very viable option now. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that the first time you prophesy and it's false, falsehood, we're kicking you out. No, you just embarrassed yourself. Yeah. Because now if you do speak a word... We should be mindful. This is a person that has spoken falsehood. So we should be cognizant of how we are to take this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. As pastors, we would, be, we would be intentionally forsaking our role exactly. as under shepherds to allow that person to continue to offer prophecies to the congregation and mislead them. Literally. God will, ju- like, God will judge us for that yeah. if we continue to do that. So I think this is something that it might sound harsh, but this is it might sound harsh, but this is what the scripture asks us to do. Nowhere in the Old Testament was this, well, you know, prophesy in part and da-da-da. We actually have a greater revelation of who Christ is, what God's doing in history, than any of the Old Testament prophets. Yeah. Listen, Jesus also said John the Baptist is the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, but he is under the least in the kingdom. He's below them. Yeah. So let's be clear, guys. If the expectation and standard for Old Testament prophets was there, don't get it twisted. This, the bar did not drop. If anything, it's higher. Way higher. And this prophesying in part is only in the sense that we will know more when the perfect comes. Exactly. It's not like, oh, I got... I got the prophecy, I got the part of the prophecy where so-and-so would win an election, but somebody else, you know, has to get the prophecy and share it that it was a technical win, but, yes. you know, there was ballot harvesting. No, 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 no. That's not what prophesying in part means. Exactly. It's the perfect <laughs> so has crazy. not come. Yeah. Until it comes, which which is Christ, so yes. until he comes. Yes. Uh we won't know all there is to know. But when God gives us a prophecy, it's if, if God truly gives a word, it is complete. That's it. It's not like half the prophecy. Yeah. That's it. And here's the thing. I think 
having that high standard, especially for foretelling the future, I agree. I think it should be that high. Yeah. And people should be wearyful of willing to put dates, putting God's name on dates and times of things. Mm. That's, I think people should think twice about doing those kind of things. Just like how Paul says that not everyone should be a teacher. Think twice if you're going to grab the mic and talk because we're going to be judged much more harshly. Mm. So if you're going to go up and say, God said this, you should think twice. This is why God gave you leadership at Liberty. You don't have to take all that pressure. You give it to us. If we test it and we say, this is not it, it's not it. But you haven't defamed God's word in front of the congregation. You have not uh, stood on uh, almost like an authoritative level to be able to speak authoritatively in a prophetic way over the congregation about the future. You just say, hey, this is what I see. This is what I think. Here it is. Maybe it comes through. Maybe it doesn't. But at least that's a moment of shepherding and care and pastoral work that we can do with you rather than now we have to mark you as a false prophet because you stood authoritatively to declare that word in front of the congregation and over the congregation. Let's close with talking about the best way to prophesy which is to tell forth the word of God, to tell forth what is already written down, what is canonized, to tell forth the revelation that is closed Mm -hmm. and that is uh, inerrant, infallible, and immutable. The Mm -hmm. best way for us to prophesy is to use the words of Scripture. Yep. It is the best way. You know why? Because all of the Old Testament prophets did that. If yeah. you read their books, you know they're they're pulling from the law of Moses. When I say the law of Moses, I'm talking about the, the Pentateuch, yeah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You would see a lot that there's, they'll pull from Deuteronomy. You're not doing this. You're not doing this. You're not doing this. They're pulling yeah. from Deuteronomy. They're pulling from Leviticus. Now, some of them do make declarations about the future. Right. But a lot of their books are telling forth, this is what the word of God says, and you're not doing doing it yeah so if it was good enough for daniel if it was good enough for zachariah if it was good enough for these prophets it should be good enough for us yeah oh absolutely 100 percent. it's the way i want to prophesy uh, because it's the more loving gift mm-hmm. it's um it's that which we must eagerly desire to do yes and i want to i want to follow scripture and I want to follow clear commands in Scripture. Yes. Especially clear New Testament commands. Yes. And when Paul tells us to eagerly desire to prophesy, like desire all the gifts, right? Desire them. Yep. But desire more that you would prophesy. Exactly. So that uh, people would be convicted of sin, that they would be held accountable, that the secrets of their heart would be disclosed, and that they would fall on their face, worship God, and declare is among you. Amen.